right, that's live. Hit it, Brad. Welcome to episode 88 of Auto Off Topic Podcast. I am Brad. Uh, and I'm your other host, Andrew. And in studio, we have AJ Vega today. Hello. Hello, AJ. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome down to Massachusetts from your home in the Great White North. Yes, good old Maine. Yes. <laughs> not, not quite Canada, but... <laughs> Just about. Kind of might as well be. I'm half Canadian, so we're, we're, we're pushing the edge there. All right, I like it, I like it. <clears throat> we know AJ because he is involved with Mitsubishi Monteros, and obviously makes poor decisions in life like us. Sure. Very poor. Yes. Very poor. <laughs> not all poor. He made some good decisions. We could talk forever about all my poor decisions. Right. Yeah. But any good ones. Yes, good ones too. Yeah. We do have an in-studio listener, so I'm making sure his... His fiance knows he makes good decisions as well because <laughs> he made a good decision with that one. Got to keep it PC this time. Yeah. Well, we always got to keep it PC, <laughs> just not PG. Yes. PC is good, good because we're, you know, good people. Yes. We like to be PC. Yes. Usually. Uh, most of the time, yeah. Yeah, we're pretty good about that. Anyway, so what's our topic of discussion tonight, Andrew? We're just going to kind of talk AJ and see what uh, his story on oh. cars has been. Yeah, and well, I, why not start with why he's down here? Because that's an interesting story, I guess. It is an interesting story to start with, actually. And then we'll, we'll go right. from there. That's a good one. So, AJ, why are you down here? I'm down here because... Throwing it right to the guests. Well, here we go. You sip my beer now. <laughs> Which AJ brought. Thank you very much, AJ. Absolutely. My pleasure. You get, that's, that's the key to being a guest on the Auto Off Topic podcast. Just bring beer, and you can come on and say whatever you want. If you bring a six-pack, you're just a regular guy. But if you bring a 12-pack, that's a different story. Not a 12-pack, two individual six-packs, because no good beer <laughs> sold the <in> 12-packs. <laughs> no. Well, at any rate, so I'm down in Massachusetts because I've come to retrieve a very special Dodge Raider. And why is this Dodge Raider special, sir? Because it'll soon be transformed into one of Mitsubishi's iconic 4x4s fitted with a 4-liter Excuse me, nope. four-cylinder, yep. <laughs> two and a half, <laughs> backwards there, four-cylinder, four two and a half liter turbo diesel engine. Excellent. So you're basically making a Raider into a Pajero or More Shogun, or less. depending yeah. on so, what country you're coming from. So this truck's a Shogun. I originally imported it from the UK from a good friend of mine. Um, Not the Raider you came down to work on. It was a different truck. truck. Yeah. No, it was a different truck. So a different truck at home, the Shogun, um, and it's an absolutely amazing truck um and i originally got it for this purpose um of basically swapping the drivetrain mm -hmm. into a clean fresh body um essentially because these these trucks are you know typically hard to come by without emptying your wallet out mm -hmm. for a really nice one for really a really nice yeah. one yeah so i got lucky in uh, in my buddy and was able to import this one relatively cheap and um for the purpose of putting a diesel in my truck so at the time i had an 89 um v6 montero mm -hmm. that was my first montero short wheelbase short wheelbase yeah. yes and actually funny story uh as a side note my parents when i was born had a long wheelbase 1989 so gen 1 montero yep. um and i didn't i didn't, actually didn't know so when i bought this truck and i had showed my mom she flipped out because I was basically born into this truck. I just never knew it. So that's it was funny. kind of like... Were you brought home from the hospital at 89 one time? I was. Excellent. Yeah. So I was... Okay. <laughs> that's a cool story. Full circle. <laughs> so... Uh, that goes so. that goes and shows that you're a little bit younger than us because I could not have been brought home in the hospital yeah, at 89 I, I guess I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can all guess my age at that point. Eh, whatever. Yeah, Within a fine. range. It's all good. Yeah. We're all in the same thing, the same boat, and it doesn't yeah. really matter how old you are as long as you enjoy the cars. So I anyway going back to your Montero. Yeah, your so Raider. basically, so you, actually, you don't even have Montero anymore. So I don't have a Montero anymore. Yeah. That's funny you bring that up. Yeah, I don't actually. Interesting. You have two Montero-based vehicles. I do have two Montero-based vehicles. Well, so I mean, they're basically Monteros. Yeah, they're all Monteros. I like the different names. It it keeps it keeps the variety more interesting. Keeps, keeps the general public confused, <laughs> especially yeah. when you fly past them on the wrong side of the car. Yeah, to me, I mean, it's, it's the right side technically, but. The not left side. The not left side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, I I had this silver Montero that I drove across country. I'm originally from California, so I drove it from California out to Connecticut. Um, actually, I I take that back. I did not drive it. I shipped it because at the okay. time it was uh, basically leaking coolant 
without showing signs of leaking coolant. Okay. So the coolant was disappearing and basically overheating, but never really overheating. It mm-hmm. just got warm enough to get warm, get warm and cause issues. So I shipped it across and I rebuilt it and brought it home. Well, the, the motor was okay, but it was high mileage and it never ran great. And I always, always, always wanted to put a diesel in it. So I came across this Shogun and uh, imported it, and I was going to take the driveline out of it and put it in the silver truck. Well, lo and behold, the Shogun was in such great shape mechanically that I said, well, forget it. I'll just drive it for a little while. It's great, Mm -hmm. you know. Get used to it, see what its quirks are, see what it needs, see what it doesn't need, and go from there. Well, money got tight, and I ended up getting rid of my silver Montero from California. So it was beautiful, um, but I didn't have it anymore. So winter came. I took it to a guy to get undercoated. He did a pretty terrible job on it, and long story short, it got a little bit worse. With, this is the Shogun. Yeah, this yeah. is the Shogun. It got it got a little bit worse. Um, got a little bit worse with all the rust and mm-hmm. salt that Maine likes to put on the roads. So I... Um, basically wanted to find a new truck to transplant. And a truck came up in North Carolina. It was North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, it was North yeah. Carolina. Um, God, it's just so, so, so Feels like it was so ago. long ago. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I found a truck in North Carolina. And uh, good friend Brad here went down and picked it up for me uh, and brought it back to Massachusetts. So I have finally had the time to come down and hang out with you guys and check it out and bring it home for its... New, new heart transplant voyage on yeah. life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's not your fault that took so long. I mean, it's just been no, winter well. held on so long this year, and then <laughs> mm-hmm. once winter finally did break, we both had stuff going on each weekend, whether we were away yeah. or doing something else, and it just didn't work out until now because you're about two and a half hours north, probably. About yeah, two yeah. and a half to three. Yeah, so it's a it's I'm not quite a ways up there. It's not a close drive. So you cross the border of Maine, and then you realize, oh wow, I still have another two and a half hours. Well, it's to only go. like twenty five minutes to Maine from my house. So <laughs> yeah. it's, getting into Maine is not bar- not bad, but Maine's a big state. So yeah, especially when compared to Massachusetts. But today, you guys took the the truck wasn't running at all. The, no, it was main... already partially disassembled. Yeah, the, the, the silver truck. The guy I bought it from yeah. said that he set the timing wrong and wrong and then bent the valve, but that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, we. We actually tested it today, not running at all, but we we spun it, it over. Seemed to make good compression. Yeah, around, it was but fine compression. We didn't officially test it, so there could be something weird going on. Yeah, who knows? But hey, the I plan don't care. is to pull the motor out anyway. Yeah, you know it's free. You know it spins over. You know it does make motors going to go to a sort good of home. compression. Somebody yeah. else wants it. You so. honestly could have had the ignition wires wrong, which is why I got my radar when I did. Yeah, remember I had to change the ignition wires around and started right up. Oh yeah, so huh. yeah. So, in any rate, we uh, we worked on it a little bit. Essentially, mm-hmm. what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be pulling the body off of it and soda blasting and then recoating um, the underside of the body as well as the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in really great shape for the year. Yeah, being uh, a southern truck. Yeah. Really so, it's for it. beautiful. Um, so, it's going to be a perfect, perfect, perfect um, transplant for this diesel, which runs mint. Um, so, that's really exciting because I love these trucks. I, you know, unbeknownst to me, grew up with them, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine having another truck. I, I don't want to buy a new truck. I don't need a new truck. I love this truck. So and I'm that's gonna... how we know AJ. We know from doing off-road trips with the yeah, you know, Northeast Mitsubishi Montero, the weird right-hand drive owner group turbo mm-hmm. diesel, right. One that blows a lot of smoke if you stand well, they too all, close to they it. They all blow a lot of smoke. <laughs> They're Monteros. I mean, let's get real It's great here. for keeping the mosquitoes away. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're spraying for mosquitoes. Yeah, that's all we're doing. <laughs> doing Maine a favor. No big deal at all. Get rid of those black flies. So anyway, the plan initially was to pull the motor out of it today. Uh, and then we decided last minute that it was kind of silly to pull the motor out through the body. If I was just going to pull the body off of if it anyway. We were just going to pull the body out the frame anyway. So yeah. what the heck? Why Why waste the time? Let's go play with the Colt. Right. Well, first we finished. We, we, we disconnected everything under the hood so that the only thing you have to disconnect when you get the truck back to Maine is the steering and the brakes. Correct. Which we didn't want to disconnect so you can still make it mobile to roll it around to get on up the trailer, on the yard, whatever you got to do. So yep. we left yep. the steering connected and the brakes connected. But literally disconnected... Pretty much everything else. So I everything. think I think we should be able to lift the body once you've unbolted it right off the frame, no issue at all. Yep. 
So yep. hopefully body will come off and then we'll unbolt the engine and transmission, lift it out. Yep. At that time, the, uh, the Shogun will be pretty much ready to be sort of dismantled and mm-hmm. we'll just do the exact same, same thing to that truck. We'll pull the diesel engine out of that with the transmission paired to it and then plop it into the new Drop truck. Drop it in the freshly coated frame. Exactly. Hmm. So. so that's the plan. Who knows how close we'll get to that. <laughs> Hopefully you finish it, because that'll be a cool truck. Yeah. I'm hoping I'll be able to get it finished before winter, because I need to use it as a winter vehicle. Yeah. Because I don't think a 300D would do all that great. Not only that, but the 300D is really nice. It not, is not rusty, so nice. So I'd hate to see it in the winter. <laughs> I mean, if you work on it a little bit, a couple hours every day, it'll get done. Yep. Yeah. I think so. The um, It'll be a fun project, too. What is it? It's definitely direct bolt-in, though. It should be. It's direct bolt-in, yeah. Okay. So one of the one of the greatest things about these these diesel trucks is that they're based on the exact same platform as all of the trucks that we got here in America. Yeah. Um. So before the the eighty the year eighty nine, um, we had there were basically we had the four cylinder engine here, the four G sixty three. G fifty four B. There you go. Yeah. Four. Yep. That's right. G54B. Or 4G54. I'm triggered. Yeah. 4G54. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of those two. <laughs> I'm upset now. Yeah. He said 4G63 and compared it to a 4D. I kept thinking to Ed Jones and all of his wonderful engines that he puts in his truck and makes those things lightning fast. Pretty cool. Who? Ed Jones from the Facebook page. Oh, okay. Fast Eddie. Yeah, in, in insider baseball right there yeah, with the uh, Montero <laughs> Facebook page. Way right out in left yeah. field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, um, so on the, in the eastern countries, they came, basically the way you could tell these diesels apart is they either came with an intercooler or they did not. So previous to 89, they did not come with an intercooler. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mitsubishi got a little bit smarter and said, hey, let's put an intercooler on that. That'll make a little bit better power. It'll be a little bit more efficient. Um, so they threw an intercooler on it, and it comes with that really cool hood. Which was something that I was kind of yeah. after. Well, the 80s technology with turbochargers, a lot of cars were not intercooled turbo in the 80s. Right. So not, not just Mitsubishi. That was just a – they were really learning the technology as they went along and learning how to make them efficient and make them make power and make them reliable for consumers. Correct. So so essentially the, the, these trucks are, are pretty vast in the eastern countries, and they are – like a crossbreed between what we have for equipment here with the V6 and equipment for the four cylinders. And what I mean by that is the four D56 is the same family of engines as the G54B and the four G63. Um, whereas for the V6, you've got the V5 MT1, which is the transmission and the cam 148, which is the automatic and manual transmission that comes behind the V6. So those transmissions are paired to the intercooled turbocharged four-cylinder diesels. But not the four-cylinder gas trucks. Exactly. So it's kind of a weird combination, but essentially you've got... Best of both worlds. The best of both worlds. You've got a really stout transmission and a really stout engine um, with a bell housing that can pair the both of them. Whereas with my four-cylinder gas truck, I have the worst engine and the worst transmission. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> there could yeah, be whatever. argument for the worst truck, too. This is true. Well, I mean, if it has the worst oh. engine and the worst transmission, then I'm going to go with, yeah, it's probably the worst of the trucks. Hmm. So I won't argue but that point. But it's still a great truck. I just love my truck. Yes. Yeah. Y'all can pound it. <laughs> I had one. I loved it. Yeah. Until it decided. Until it Don't. heard. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not going to say They anything. run great. They're awesome yep. trucks. It sounds yeah. good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, in true auto off topic fashion, when I was up visiting you guys today, mine died. Andrews Montero died. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're really selling the dream here. Yeah. Andrews Montero. They're great is trucks. Now, they're great trucks. Andrews Montero has now come become part of the uh, Brad's yard of broken dreams. Yeah. For a day or two. While it's one Montero waiting. leaves, the next one comes in. I was so excited to get your Silver Raider out of there today. <laughs> and Andrew comes up to hang out, and his truck breaks in its spot. It's like, come on. Just got to fill the spot. It's yeah. an empty empty hole in that house. Yeah, my neighbors will appreciate it. No big deal. Oh, definitely. It's just a fuel pump. <laughs> I'll change it tomorrow. I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't, Honestly, I don't even care. I don't even care. Life goes on. It's it's broken in worse places. It, they have broken in worse <laughs> places, yes. At least I don't have to go to Vermont to retrieve it this time. Yeah, or the 
uh, 89 Montero that broke on the side of the road. So Yeah. Well, the fact that the 89 Montero spit its fuel pump out on the side of the road in Maine, Ooh. and we managed to fix it on the side of the road in Maine on a Sunday, is why we know we have no problem fixing this one's fuel pump in the driveway with all the proper tools and all the time in the world. So yeah. it shouldn't be an issue. See, it's so funny. Like, I never had any horrible mechanical issues like that. I, I only had... Uh, There's still Disappearing time. coolant? Yeah. I would had disappearing coolant. That was the worst with the V6. A transmission that locked up? Uh, I did have that. Well, no, it didn't yeah. lock up. It actually grenaded. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Driving down the street. I've, never, like had a me- I've never had a mechanical problems except the transmission that blew up. And, yeah. <laughs> I forget all those times, you know. You got to wipe them out. Right. Wipe them out of memory. It's an abusive relationship. Yeah. yeah, really the only problems I really had were the were the gas gauge. The gas gauge notoriously in these vehicles um the fuel sending unit goes bad mm-hmm. and you lose your gas gauge. So yep. you had to start tracking your mileage and being on top of it. Well, if you forget to reset your mileage after you fill up and you forget where you started from, you, you, end, up, gas in it and yeah, you end up like me on the side of the highway in the middle of Maine. You know, pouring rain out one o'clock in the morning. Probably rain. no cell service. No cell, no cell service. I mean, yeah. never any cell service. You know. Yeah. So that no was bueno. fun. That was fun. No bueno. Good times. So anyway, so that's the ultimate plan with the new Raider yes. is to swap all the Shogun parts over and make kind of like a Shogun. Mm-hmm. We're gonna make the nicest, cleanest Shogun there is in North America because I think it's actually the only Shogun in North America. Most people import them from other countries, so they get Pajeros. Exactly. Not Shoguns. But the Shogun was sold in England. Shogun's a Pajero anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But it was... Pajero. Yeah, it was like a rebadge. Just like the the Raider was a rebadged Montero. They're all Monteros in the end. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what country they were sold in. Mm -hmm. So actually it would have been sold in England originally, correct? So it would have been a Colt Shogun? Correct. It was actually... uh, It was sold for the... It was sold for the JDM market and then was imported to the European market. Brand new. Um, well, it was first registered. This truck in particular was first registered in 1992, if I remember correctly. And what year is the registration? Eighty-nine. Oh, okay. So it was in J- it was in Japan for, for two like years. Two years, and then hmm. immigrated. But it was sold from through a new dealership in England. No, it was sold. So it was sold the secondhand market. Yeah, okay. secondhand market. I thought it was I thought it was sold brand new in England because it has so many weird little English. Yeah, on it. Like well, the weird plate frame and the weird light in the back. It's it's so weird. I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of fishy in a way. But I guess back in those days, England, some of the English importers were trying to you know supersede some of the laws and get these trucks into into the country because they were, let's be honest, terrific trucks. Mm-hmm. And um, teletransmission grenade and yeah, yeah. teletransmission grenade. <laughs> but hey, none of that's happened with the diesel except for the clutch. But we won't go into that. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a wear item. That's fine. Uh, that's a wear item. Yeah. So, in any rate, they brought them in and they added their own sort of touch to it so that it would pass their own inspections, mm-hmm. uh, which are very stringent. Not as stringent as Japan, but definitely on you know the level below. So they they got different turn indicator or not turn indicators but windshield wiper column switches. They got the little fog light in the rear, which was mandatory for all British vehicles. Um, they yeah. got massive license plates. So I think it's a European thing to have that the rear, rear fog facing light. fog light. Yeah. yeah, I got actually it's a funny story. I got pulled over by a cop one a.m. in the morning driving down to New Jersey for um, the East Coast MOD. So I was driving along with our good friend Eric Carhollis, and uh, in the middle of nowhere, and I turned my fog light on just, you know, because it was dark, it was foggy, figured, well, you know, use a fog light in the fog. Might as well be seen. Yeah. And uh, in the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden, I look in my rearview mirror, and there's a pair of lights with like a red dot in where, you know, the windshield would be. Mm-hmm. And then the pinball machine came on and uh, pulled me over. We were in Connecticut or New Jersey? I was in New Jersey. And I had been driving from Maine since 4 o'clock in the morning. So the officer walks up to the uh, the window and and looks in, you know, license and registration. And the wrong side of the car. He's already thrown up. But she freaked out. Or, you know, as she came up, she was totally caught off guard because I was on the wrong side of the truck. Yeah, I can imagine that happens probably to the other side. (laughs) (laughs) There was a driver here, you know, a couple minutes ago. I don't know what happened to him. Um, And... uh, and she came back and, you know, asked me if I was drinking and it's like, no, I've just been driving for, you know, 14 hours or yeah, something like all that. all day. <laughs> Pretty much. And, um, and I basically 
she she came back and said, yeah, you know, you have a taillight out, so just uh, just be mindful of that and, you know, be safe. You're like, I, I do? like, I have a taillight out? And then sure enough, I figured out, oh, she saw the one unmatched, one-sided yeah. <laughs> one fog light. So, Which you think being in New Jersey she'd be familiar with because all those people down there, they drive their Audis around with the one-sided <laughs> fog light. That's a common thing on a... Mm-hmm. Even yeah. in American market Audi, they keep that rear-facing fog light in there. But yeah, I think more modern German cars have gone to dual yes, fog lights have. because it's weird. Yep, and it freaks people out. So, but I noticed that when I was in Portugal, there was a lot of imported cars. You could tell were imported probably directly from Japan, mm-hmm. or there were imports, and they quickly made them legal for European use. Like a first Miata had a fog light that just like tacked onto the bumper. Yeah, a lot of stuff looks tacked on <laughs> yeah. on imported cars yeah. over there. Which I mean, even your rear-facing fog light looks tacked on because eh, it's more or less. I mean, it's got a, it's got an actual bracket and it's yeah. bolted in. But yes, it does look like it was an add-on. Added on top after for sure. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, the bumper's kind of nice too because it's got the little fog lights in the bumper. It mm-hmm. Mimics the Gen Two. Gen it looks two a lot like half. a Gen Two. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird, hmm. but it's a cool truck. It's a great truck. I love yeah. it. I absolutely. Love it. I would never go back to a, a a gasoline version of these things. I mean, it's just for what they're meant for and. I mean, it's amazing. I went to how the car was probably designed to be. You know, and everybody always talks about, ah, oh, how much gas mileage can you get out of a diesel? Well, it's better not really... Than a, better than a gas truck, probably. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not really the point of a of the Shogun, the Pajero, and the Montero is a diesel version, but, you know, it's it's a nice thing to talk about. I mean, it's, a, it's certainly not the point advantage. to have gas mileage either, because they don't. <laughs> right, it's fuel mileage. Well, you got that torque off down low, no, too. No, I mean, in general, they, none of them have good fuel mileage. Well, this one actually, on a good day... We'll just put that in asterisks on a good day. It's about 25 miles to the gallon. That's pretty damn That's good. That's really good. Considering my four-cylinder like gas truck gets like 17. Pretty, pretty darn good. Whereas my V6 got like uh, 14. Yeah. That's oh, pretty really? Good. Yeah. I'd get like 18 out of the long wheelbase. Uh, I, I think it was because I had these ridiculous tires on oh. them that were unevenly worn, and uh, it was just a mess. I had stock-sized tires, so the my 89 long wheelbase, long wheelbase would get about 18 that's pretty good. If you weren't going too too hot. But also, it had a 24-gallon tank, so it was deceptive. Because you're like, oh, I've gone a while, but you've really just used, used more fuel. Used a lot of fuel. You just didn't <laughs> yeah. know it. Yeah. 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 So anyway, moving on from his car to my project car update. Yeah. The Oh, because you guys, after you finished with the getting the engine prepped to come out, yep. you decided to move on to the 79 Colt. Yep, which was parked next to you. Yes. Well, we moved it there. Actually, it wasn't parked there before. Oh, okay. Because I couldn't move myself because the wheels are not exactly free rolling. They roll free, but yeah, not like... Yeah, they're a little grind. Yeah, it's a yeah. Little, they're a little tight. Yeah, a little Need to tight. be greased up and taken care of. Well, the rotors, are, the, the rotors are rusty. Very rusty, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, we decided to try to get the 79 Colt running today. Yeah. Um, so close. Yet so close. So far. So close. We could cr- cranked over no problem at all. I put a battery in and cranked over real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, would start though because there's no you know fuel getting to it. So we put some ether in there, and uh, it seemed to fire up pretty good on the ether. And then once the ether burned off, the car would obviously stall out. Um, decided to bypass the fuel filter and get a new fuel filter, which was gunked up with like a solid. Circular yeah, there was like a little ball inside of it. Cylindrical. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solidified fuel. Gunk. So we took care of that, put another fuel filter in it, Mm -hmm. tried to crank it over some more, still got nothing out of it. So then we went straight into a fuel tank from the fuel pump um, and seemed to be pumping fuel through. Yeah, it pumped it through very nicely. Sucking some fuel in, yeah. Yeah, but the truck isn't that truck. The car is not starting yet. So I think the car probably needs to be cleaned. Car probably needs to be cleaned out. Plus, the, who knows how old the plugs are. Plugs, wires. Plugs, wires, cap rotor. Caps. Yep. Is there points in that thing? There are points, but they're probably fine. Sure. I'll, I'll check them anyway. But <laughs> I'll get new ones in there anyway. But anyway, good news is car cranked. Car stumbled to life on ether. It wants to run. The motor runs. It didn't even really smoke that much at the back, I don't think. No. Um, so it seemed to be in decent working shape. So definitely. Yeah, throw some... Uh, when you take the plugs out, drop some mystery oil down the cylinders. Okay. I can do that. Because you're not, it's not running right, correctly, right? Okay. I phrased that wrong. It's not running. 
Right. Correct? Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the oil pump is not pumping oil up into the engine yet. Okay. And you those rings might be dry. Okay. So you just want the you don't want to ruin the rings in the engine. Put a few drops in each. Yeah. Okay. Just I to help it. And actually do that and then let it sit for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then go fire it up. And yeah, it, then it's going to smoke out the back. But yeah, it's going to be burning. The at least you'll have some yeah. lubrication in the upper cylinders until okay. the engine is like running and has oil, good oil pressure flowing through it. Yeah, I can do that. So I Pro- do that. Probably a good idea. Yeah. Probably a good hot tip from Andrew. See, I told mm-hmm. you Andrew's going to yell at me for just good going hot ahead pick. and trying to start it. Yeah, I would have <laughs> pulled the plugs and put oil in there and turned it over. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't know if it was locked up or. I do know now. Wasn't locked up. Well, he got lucky. Thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> it was empty on gas, like completely empty. It was dry. definitely empty on gas, yeah. It's almost like they drained it out when they parked it at one point. Either drained it or evaporated. Well, it could have been that too. Or it could be solidified in the bottom of the tank. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Not yeah, sure how do you know it, it was empty? Well, cause you, you put my ear right to the filler neck, and I shook the car side to side. Oh. And I couldn't hear it inside oh. there. And it's only... You tell how many miles away the oil was coming? Listen, <laughs> there's no baffles or anything in there. And if there's any liquid in there, you'd hear it moving. So, I mean, I can hear it in the other cold. No sloshing. There's no sloshing. Not at all. I mean, the filler neck is only like a foot and a half long. So it's not like there's a... It's an interesting method. I, n- I never thought of doing that. Well, <laughs> it worked. Did it, did it not work? It worked. It worked great. Yeah. So we put gas I mean, it was in very it. very clear that you could it was hear no it. Gas. Yeah. Didn't run. So a small, older car, you know, the f- fuel tank is close to the filler neck, so it's nice and easy to do it that way. So anyway, that's just a small project car update. I haven't done a ton with it yet, but I did try to get it started today. Encouraged that it did crank over. Mm-hmm. Encouraged that it did fire on ether. So I don't think it'll be much to get it running. That'll be the least of the worries. All right. Project car update. Yeah. Project car down date. We're good. Where's their down date? Oh, you're down date. Yeah. Yeah, your car's broken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So... Your Raider is taken apart. Obviously, doesn't run. Your Montero is broken. Obviously, doesn't run. My new Colt is not running yet either. But so the Shogun runs great, just for clarity. Right. <laughs> um, so none of our cars worked on today are running. That's true. That's, That's okay, fine. though. That's okay, though. All, all right. right. So going they back. All, they can't all be good days. Uh, earlier, you said you were originally from California. Shall we start from the beginning or... I think we should do wherever the, you guys like. Where does AJ get his love of vehicles from? That's where I was going. Oh goodness! Yeah. Sorry. That's a that's a really hard one to figure out. Um, you know, a lot of it I'd have to attribute to my father. He uh, he had quite a love for cars. His, his first car was a uh, a seventy two or seventy three. I think it was I think it was a seventy three Datsun two forty Z. Solid choice. Solid choice. I wish I had you know been alive to see it um i've only seen pictures and i've seen you know other cars in person but never got a chance to ride in one never driven mm-hmm. one nothing um beautiful car so one of my all-time favorites mm-hmm. so fast forward a couple of years i was probably oh eight and uh he found a 1974 de tomaso pantera in chicago illinois he went out. Our amazing cars. Yes. Oh, my God. Era of the wedge. Yeah. Beautiful car. And uh, essentially, it had, I think it was about, uh, I'm going to lie here, but I think it was like seven to 8,000 miles on the car. Seven or eight or 78? Seven to 8,000. So it was pretty much a brand new car. Mm. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And uh, this was back in like... Uh, well, I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna do math at this hour of the night, but um, <laughs> mid nineties. Yeah, mid at some point like that. Considering you said what year you came home and what vehicle it was, so we'll go mid nineties. Yeah, late, mid nineties, late nineties, late nineties, yeah. maybe right. early two thousand, maybe. Okay. And uh, so we brought it home, and the thing was bone stock original. I mean, bone stock had the original Compagnolo, like brushed steel rims white paint gated shifter i mean the whole nine yards the thing was absolutely original um 350 cleveland 351 351 351 yeah the fords 351 351 yeah 
An extra one cubic inch. Hey, just gotta clarify. <laughs> we don't. We don't want. We don't want to get. We don't want to get listener complaints. Hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I only drive. No, I'm just kidding. I love working on them too. Um, but the car kind of ran like a dog. So he had it rebuilt and you know updated and blah 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 blah. Stroked and bored. 427 stroker, and it ended up turning it turning out a healthy 596 7 horsepower so this was the first car i learned how to drive stick on um now that is frightening most people yeah. <laughs> most people don't learn how to drive on a car with you know learn how to drive a stick on a car on a with, pantera on a pantera let pantera. alone a car with 596 horsepower yeah. um and the thing was just a demon i mean Absolutely, you touch the you touch the throttle and it was forty miles an hour instantly. I mean, you could not drive the car without spinning the wheels. Uh, at least I couldn't. Um, right, because you were a new teenage driver. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was used to get angry at me though because I I didn't know how to actuate the clutch and you know it had a sport clutch in it, a racing clutch or whatever, and it would basically warp the clutch. So every time he got back in to drive it, it would like wobble, 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 wobble. Yeah. shattered. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the first car I learned how to drive on. Um, and boy, oh boy, what an experience that was. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, talk about your expectations being shot down for every car in the future. <laughs> just about. <Yeah. laughs> I remember being like... I, mean, I guess that's how you get into like really slow cars like Montero's. Like you just start real high. <laughs> and then you get nowhere to go. So you're just like, I'll go down slow now. Yeah, yeah. I got it low and slow. Um so I, I was a kid, you know, detailing the engine, you know, because you could, you could take the rear tray out of that car because it was a rear engine car. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was mid-engine, excuse me. Yeah. So you could take the rear tray out of it and sit on the transmission and, you know, polish the heads and polish the headers and the intake manifold. And it was just so much fun for me. I loved being that in, in that engine compartment. You could smell, like the exhaust fumes that were still left over and little bits of gas droplets and so on and so forth. So that car was just like oozed, you know, it's hard not to get into cars. Yeah. Oh my God. It was such <laughs> I mean, an amazing it's, car. It's a pretty awesome car. It was an amazing car. And I grew up riding dirt bikes. So I was always outdoors, always adventuring. And I just loved that, you know, off-road travel. So my first car was a 99 Tacoma. Great truck. Um, Sadly, lost it early on due to familial issues. I never got in an accident. Um, I wasn't one of those teens, thankfully. Um, and after that Tacoma was gone, I ended up finding my 89 Montero. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the, the the car scene for me started so early. I mean, I was I was like bred into it as a, a kid, as a baby. I mean, I remember going to the NHR the NHRA drag races in mm-hmm. Pomona, California, watching those drag races with the big, you know, fat earmuffs going down the track at 300 miles an hour. Yeah, I think growing up in Southern California, is, it's hard not to become a car person. Mm-hmm. It was really hard not yeah. to be. It's surrounded by some of the best car culture in the world. I mean, you have, you every know, the day. Long Beach the Long Beach Indy Grand Prix that we used yeah. to go to every year. Yeah, because it was your backyard. Pretty much. So why not? Yeah, we live yeah. 30 minutes away. So. I think it's every car culture exists in Southern California. Yeah. You have everything. Literally it's a subset everything. for everything. You have the drag racing. You have road racing. Hot rods. Hot rods. Low riders. Low riders. Customs. Four by fours. Four by fours is off road. Everything. Everything. So, and he was, a, you know, he raced shifter carts for fun with a friend of his. And so I was. This is your to, father as well? Yeah. Okay. So I used to go to, you know, some of his races with that. And yeah. And uh, and then he got the Pantera, and we used to go out to Willow Springs, which was a racetrack out in basically the border of the Mojave Desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put it on the track a couple times, and then realized that it just it was a fantastic car, but it just was not it was built. not a track car. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a track car. It just wasn't built for it. it wanted to stand on it and fly past a Miata at <laughs> yeah. 120 miles an hour, um, and break really hard for the turn because yeah. it was a 74 Pantera. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I had always been around him. I mean, it was it was really due to him, and then I I kind of took it on on myself. Um, so really, where I got super deep into it is um, in eighth grade. I had a research project um, that lasted the whole year, and you basically got to choose your own topic. Mm-hmm. And I chose to do Formula One. 
Um, so the premise of the project was to basically learn as much as you could about it. It was a real research project, and you had to interview people. Um, so I began with a gentleman by the name of Philippe de Lespinay, who was a you know championship MotoGP racer. Um, Again, Southern California, you have access to yes <laughs> all these people, lots yeah. of guys, lots mm-hmm. of fantastic people to. I mean, with incredible stories. And, and Philippe was the most amazing guy I had ever met at this point in my life because he literally rattled off the entire history like a te- like from a textbook, all from within his mind for like a four to five hour interview, you know, meeting. Mm-hmm. And we were walking around. And this is to an eighth grade kid. He took the time to sit yeah. down and sit, sit with you and talk, which yeah. is pretty awesome. It was the coolest experience. He... Yeah. He spoke to me about every little detail in Formula One, and it, it just like you know, it has me shaking thinking about it. Like, I it, he could tell me everything, so it was it was brilliant for the report, and it was brilliant for you know my excitement over all of these cars. And in addition to that, where we were talking was in a twenty thousand square foot garage filled with cars, filled with race cars, the Danny Sullivan's March Seven Eleven. Formula One car and Can-Am cars, um, and another March variant of, you know, Ferrari 400i, a Diablo. I mean, just everything you could imagine. It was a collector, you know, a collector's garage um, that this gentleman worked for. Which is awesome. Which was super cool. So I, I got to go interview him in this location. And I just, like, part of me was blown away by what he was telling me and part of me was blown away by... The, all the cars the I car was standing around, yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing seeing these cars as kids racing around tracks. Um, so I had a conversation with him, and we, in, you know, I interviewed him, and I got all the information and put it into my port, and I had to go on to the next person. Well, the next person ended up being the legend Dan Gurney. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, Dan, this is no joke. I mean, Another Dan. person from Long Beach. Yep. Yeah. Dan Gurney um, from the All-American Racing um, team. Yeah. Team, yeah. The Eagles. And the, you know. the. So now you're in eighth All-American. grade still. It's the same year. And you've gone yes. from this guy. Now you're interviewing Dan Gurney. Interviewing Dan Gurney, yes. It, t- it took a lot of work. You know, it Still. was not. It was no walk in the park, that's for sure. Um, but it took many calls, and I essentially just called every day, and you know, said, "Look, I, I really just only need four minutes of your time." I and this was to his secretary, so I never, I never really got to talk to him about. Hey, I really want to talk to you, but um, you know, every day I called four minutes. I just need four minutes of your time to just ask you a couple of questions. I'm doing this research, re- you know, report for Formula One. Of course. And um, finally, 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 she she gave in, and and uh, I think he saw the, you know, persistence that I was, kind of giving, and 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 wanted so badly to to be able to ask him some just a couple of these questions, and he gave me the opportunity to interview him over the phone. I didn't get to meet him, yeah, but still, I got to speak to I him mean, on the phone, and it was, I, I mean, I I can't sit still in my chair thinking about it. Yeah, that's an amazing. Just, like experience. shaking. Yeah. It, wow. That's an amazing experience. Like we we did a whole oh, episode crazy. on Daniel Gurney after he passed because he's such a such an influence in I mean racing history he was, in this country he's an amazing, in the world. Amazing, amazing racer. I mean he 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 went from so many different aspects of racing. You know, Grand Am racing, Le Mans, Formula One, you know, IndyCar. I mean, so many different aspects, and he won it all. I mean, he yeah. was he was an amazing racer. So I I interviewed him. You know, with the focus on Formula One, and asked a couple of questions, and we had a you know a, a relatively quick conversation because he's it he was a very busy, v- yeah, busy Dan man. Gurney. <laughs> yeah, Dan and, Gurney. And you're just some kid in eighth grade. I was just some kid in eighth grade, <laughs> you know. But he gave me the he gave me the chance to to talk to him, and it was the most amazing experience being able to speak to this man that I you yeah know, that's pretty awesome. Kind of looked up to as a kid watching watching reruns of his races, yeah. and you know. His well, I've, I've heard racing. the story before, and you were invited to his garage after that, were you not? I was invited to his garage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. His, 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 you know, full-on private manufacturing facility where they made all of the American racing, you know, Eagle cars and the Alligator. I mean, everything. His motorcycles. 
and it was just incredible, super low key. But I, unfortunately, I, I was extremely bummed by this, but he, on the day that I went to go visit him, he had taken a morning ride on one of his motorcycles on the Ortega Highway, which is a pretty, pretty nice highway to take a ride on, on a mm-hmm. you know, Saturday morning. And, um, he blacked out and hit the ground and had to be sent to the hospital. So I didn't get to meet him, but his secretary walked us around the entire facility and we got to look at all of his cars that he had raced in. I mean, you know, with, with the original tires that had touched the, you know, the Indianapolis 500 mm-hmm. speedway. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, just just that's like every kid's dream. So here you are, eighth grade, living every kid in these entire <laughs> Every much. car, every car enthusiast. And I was the I was the only one there. It was just me and my and my dad just walking around with this lady, and that's she awesome. was telling us about all the history. And you know, I got I got to shake Alex Gurney's hand. Like I, I felt special at the Peterson Museum in the Gurney room, looking at some of his cars. I can only imagine being in his actual garage. Yeah, like his just, yeah his blows garage, my mind. his yeah. garage. I mean, it was just incredible. And that they just had blows my mind. they had some. I remember when we were there, they had some like monocoque that they were building for the next car. It was all wrapped in like carbon fiber, mm-hmm. and they had it they had it laid out. I mean, it was just gorgeous. And uh, being able to see you know inside an operation like that, you know, an operation that was literally winning every championship yeah. out there. I mean, it was just incredible yeah that's cool never forget that experience um so moving on from the dan gurney experience back to the philippe de l'espinay experience the guy that philippe de l'espinay worked for the owner of this car collection saw my interest and asked me if i wanted to work alongside his engine specialist who was an engineer from canada and i said that's exactly what i said i was speechless i was like uh, yes, I, absolutely. And I didn't have a car at the time, so I had to wake up really early. And, you yeah, because you're like 14. Yeah, I was like, I was 14. Yeah. 13, 14. And I basically worked in this garage as, you know, a, sort of an apprentice. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of, you know, I did some organizing and cleaning of some of the shop because it was, it was kind of thrown together last minute. He was still in construction phase. But, you know, I remember detailing like his, um, oh, geez, what was it? It was the uh, little red wagon, funny car. Oh, the the drag racing, the drag the wheel, racing the wheel, standard? Wheel, huh. sta- wheel standing truck. That's awesome. The Ford Econoline pickup truck. Yeah, uh, no, the Dodge. Yes. Yeah, Dodge. It was a Dodge. Yeah, the one hundred. Golly, I'm just so many errors. This car. That's all right. <laughs> you didn't. You, you didn't. Uh, you, you, you had the memory. I had the memory little, right. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, and he had it on the stand and everything, so it looked like it was you know doing a wheelie, uh-huh. and. Um, yeah, so I, I I got to work for him and and I organized and cleaned you know a lot of his a lot of his cars and and the parts and I I worked alongside uh, the engine specialist and at the time we were going through a I, I can't remember what year it was but it was a Ferrari 400i yep that needed a rebuilt engine it was a big V12 it was a V12 yeah front engine V12 yes massive massive one eye is the one that's very wedgy it's very it's a four seat front engine um, i can't picture this they were car kind of unloved the they came in a standard automatic the automatics came with a gm three speed there should not be one up there that's a daytona that's a daytona yeah oh, it's got a similar 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 angle looks nose very, to a daytona. very similar so those looks very similar to the daytona mid 80s early 80s late 70s early 80s ferraris that aren't that great looking it depends on who you ask. Very, I think very classy. Yeah. Very classy. It shares a lot of similar lines to like a bitter SC. Okay. Or a De Tomaso. Um, Mangusta. No, not, not a Mangusta. Mangusta. The one after the oh, Pantera. Oh, Vallelunga. Or what was the other Ferrari? The Longchamp. Longchamp. Thank that you, De Tomaso. That's Longchamp. what it was. Longchamp. Not a late yeah. Dino, but what was the other one? It kind of looks like a late Dino, but what's, more. What's boxy. the other? For the two plus two, Ferrari. Ooh. From that era, yeah, I don't remember. It, it kind of looked like a Lamborghini Espada, but instead of the back, just a more straight one. across, yeah. it was right. kind of slanted downwards. Yeah, it's, a little, it's a coupe. It's got a trunk lid and everything. A Monde, a Mondial, Mondial. It's kind of the same similar design Am I language that as right? Mondial. Mondial. Yeah, kind of a similar design language. That's, same era. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. Those 
wedgie. I like the 400i a lot, but I also like a long champ, and I also like a bitter SC, and I also like all kinds of terrible things. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Andrew's nodding to the microphone. You have a terrible Story taste. Out. A terrible taste. Terrible yeah. taste. Hang out with Andrew. You know, it's, <laughs> my taste is questionable. Yeah. Oh, jeez. But anyway, so yeah, the 400i is the four-place Ferrari from the early 80s, late 70s. I don't know exactly when it was when it was produced, but yeah. And then I uh, like them, but and then of course the I mean the by all means the, the the weirdest looking Formula One car ever produced this March seven one one, Danny Sullivan's Formula One car from I think it was nineteen seventy eight or something. What was weird about that one? It looked like a backwards whale. So it had, it looked like a an early sixties Formula One car, but it had a regular rear spoiler, rear wing. But it had a, this, up, this front this wing that didn't go below the nose of the of the car. It came above the monocoque and looked like a whale wing, but on the front of the car. A Is he whale the Irish tail. Irish driver? No, he was Swedish. Oh, Sullivan. Yeah, Denny Sullivan. That <laughs> <not> Irish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a bizarre. It's a bizarre looking car. It's red. Oh, so the wing sticks out. The, from the wing front of the sticks car. out from the front. That exact yeah. car. Uh, that exact car right there. Okay. It's a bizarre looking car. It was super bizarre, but it was very, very cool. And all these cars worked, which was even, which was the coolest part about it. You know, he could he could turn any one of these things on, and this, of course, had you know, a a, a beautiful V8 in the back of it. Velocity stack. Ford V8. Yeah. Yes. Um, Open wheeled. And it just looked—it looked bizarre, but it was the coolest, coolest car. So it that was, was really neat. It was a really, really fascinating experience. It, it, so that—that really—it's really what shot me even deeper into the car world. I mean, I remember learning some stuff from the engine specialist, and I went home and uh, tinkered on my truck that was sitting outside that I hadn't been able to drive yet because I didn't have my permit. Mm-hmm. So I went out and, you know, straightened the radiator fins and <laughs> I <laughs> cleaned this and cleaned that. And it was so much all fun. All stuff that didn't need to be done. No, not at call, all. But you wanted to not anyway. Yeah. And then, of course, more things came along. We, we ended up with a Honda SL70 from 73 um, that needed restoring, and we took the whole thing apart and then rebuilt it back together. And I used to ride it around the neighborhood with my, my good friend and mm-hmm. at the time. And, you know, my, my dad wasn't really the type to get his hands dirty and like work on a vehicle like yeah. I have been known to do. But, um, I just, I latched onto it and it's been my passion ever, ever, ever since I can remember. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Again, it's that whole Southern California. You can't. I I really you can't did. throw a rock without hitting a race shop. <laughs> you, can't, you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody involved in car culture. You just like I think he told a story once about selling a dirt bike on like Craigslist, and who bought it? Oh, because yes. because of where you live. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. So we um I had an old CRF 100. This little little dirt bike. And again, I... this just goes to prove the whole. <laughs> you can't do anything out there without running into some famous racing drivers. So I grew up in a town called El Segundo, and we moved to another town called Playa del Rey, which was just north of the airport, yeah. whereas El Segundo was just south of the airport. So yeah. we just moved across the airport, essentially. And um, down about you know five minutes away, there was this place called Marina del Rey. Mm-hmm. And there was a gentleman that had responded to an ad that my father had put out for my dirt bike that we were getting rid of. And... He came around in a brand new Porsche Panamera. Okay. You know, it kind of caught us off guard because it's like, why are you buying a used, you know, 2005 Honda CRF dirt bike? Like, what the heck? Turns out the guy was a factory Porsche racing driver for the Le Mans series as well as a Grand Am series. Who I think it is? Patrick Long. Patrick Long. Yeah. Whoa. He just showed up at his house to buy his dirt bike. Weird. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> First time he's telling me that story, he's like, yeah, the guy came out as Patrick. I was like, Patrick Long? And he's like, yeah, that's him. I'm like, what the? Like, yeah. He just a Patrick Long. Yeah. Patrick Long came about my old dirt bike. It's oh, pretty wild. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, crazy story. Like, yep. And he lived. Why do we live in Massachusetts He again? lived five minutes away from me. Yeah. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. It's pretty awesome stuff. 
And he was he was the nicest guy on the planet. I mean, he gave me a little he gave me like one of his pamphlets and the card as to all of his racing stats. I was like, ooh. So every time we watched a race, I was like, Patrick Long, Patrick Long. Yep. That's cool. That's such a cool, like, feel good story about, you know, a racing driver who, you know, reached out to somebody who just because he was doing something else, like a normal person. Like yeah. you don't think of these people you see on television racing cars as normal people. Like the race car drivers, that's all they do. You don't think of anything else. You don't think of them like, oh yeah, he probably buys you shit on Craigslist too. Like, and here he is showing up at your house one night. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Well, it's kind of a wild story. He's a race car driver, not a millionaire. <laughs> well, <laughs> not so much yeah, anymore. Let's, uh, <laughs> maybe not then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing pretty well for himself now, at least. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I was, I mean, I was never one of those kids that just kind of took all these experiences for granted and, and jumped all over them and, you know, bought the fastest car I could and beat the, beat the snot out of it. I, you know, I, I was, I was, yeah, right. (laughs) I I was trained to, you know, take care of things like this. And so, you know, I was really passionate about it at, at, at this time in my life. And, um, I remember my father left for a vacation or something um, for like, you know, a weekend or a couple of days. And the Pantera was sitting in the garage as always. And we had a babysitter that um, was staying with us, a house sitter or more, mm-hmm. um, for like, a you know, the, the, the time that he was gone. And she was enthralled by the car, which was really funny to me because I hadn't met anybody that really knew what the heck it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I told her. I'll start it up for you. I, I got to start it up for you. You got to hear it. <laughs> well, me not really understanding what that was, you know, how that could have been not the greatest idea for this car, this old car that needed to actually be warmed up and I have all the fluids run through it because they were cork gaskets and whatnot. I fired the car up for, for like five minutes and, you know, let it run and just rumble and, you know, surprised her and blew her out of the water and then turned it off. And, of course, when my dad got home, I was like, Dad, guess what? He's like, what? I said, I, I showed, you know, Lauren, I showed Lauren the Pantera. He goes, oh, cool. What did she think? It's like, she was so blown away. I started it up for her, and she loved it, and it was so loud. And, and his face just, like, turned cherry red. Like, <laughs> are you kidding? Excuse me? What did you just say? So it could I, have been um, worse. You they, could take the car for a drive. Yeah. yeah. So he yeah. told me I, so. I, I I wasn't able to you know drive the car for a month, which was like you know he he would take me out and take me out to a parking lot and teach me how to drive yeah, a little exactly. bit more. So it was it was quite a bummer. So I never did that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of all the things for your for your son to do to your Pantera when you go on vacation, starting it and letting it idle in the garage is. <laughs> pretty, pretty low on the scale of bad things that could have happened. That's what I think, but, you know. Whatever. Uh, you did something wrong. She'll be punished. I get it. Of course. Taught me something good. I get it. For sure. But uh, Well, that's cool. So that explains 100% why you're into what you're into, because yeah. you were forced it upon yourself. Oh. Without actually being forced I, upon yourself. But. I couldn't help it. I mean, I, I, I have... And you know, you, you you find your way into it because sometimes you make really bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, a 1985 XR600 Honda, which was a dirt bike, not a car, but mm-hmm. you know, still in the same bloodline, sort of, so to speak. Yeah. Gasoline powered. Yeah, gasoline power tires. motor with two tires attached to it. Um, and I bought it partially for the nostalgia because I'm just a sucker for old things because they're just easier and it was mm-hmm. cool to say yeah my dirt bike's got a double pumper on it and <laughs> which most don't you know. right so uh, the thing was super cool until I realized it wasn't and uh, it had quite a few issues so I, I ran into kind of a um, a booby trap with that one it just any anytime I fixed it there was always something else that went wrong with it sounds like my Raider yeah, it was it was quite a mess, <laughs> quite a mess. And yet, much like my radio, you persisted until you got it right, and uh, I'm persisting but, as well. Yeah, and then decided, eh, all right, I'll get rid of this thing. <laughs> well, it's funny I said that about the radio not that long ago, and now it's running again. And I think Jordan was going to kill me because he wants to maybe take it out somewhere first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take it out and put it out of its misery. Use it first before yeah. get rid of it. But whatever. Yeah. Anyway, anything else, Andrew? You want to talk about this evening, or? Uh... Well, how did you you get out here? You drove out here. I did drive out here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, at the time, I was working at a outdoor shop uh-huh. in California. Yeah. Of course. And uh, I met my, you know, fiance to be at this point in my t- in my life. And um, 
she, you know, we, we were hanging out, whatnot, and I finally went out to go meet her for one evening, and I brought my Montero along because obviously that was the only mode of transportation I had. And um, I show up to, you know, where she was to meet her, and she hops in the truck because we had to go park it somewhere. And uh, she didn't even say hi to me, like nothing. Didn't even say hello, didn't acknowledge that I was even there. And just looked around as she opened up the door and was like, wow, this thing is so cool. I was just enthralled by this little Montero. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that, hey. That's a good reaction. Hey, yep. how you doing? <laughs> so that was a great reaction. So that night when I went home, I got a text message from her at about 3 o'clock in the morning of an Auto Trader ad for a 1987 Mitsubishi Montero. Excellent. She goes, can, can we go look at this thing? I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> I better slow down here. This is not your first date, of course. <laughs> this was pretty much my first date. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so it was match made in heaven. Yes, apparently it was. Uh, <laughs> so, As um, I said, the only, the one and only person to successfully use a old short wheelways Montero to <laughs> pick up a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Montero matchmaking. Yes. Oh, it was good times, good times. Yeah, so and now she's your fiancé. She is now my fiancé, yeah. yeah. So it worked out in the end. Fantastically. Yes. She didn't end up, so we basically we bought this this truck for her. She mm -hmm. was going to drive it and use it. She originally was going to do like a, a tour of the national parks around the, the country uh, with it as a as an adventure mobile. And that didn't really pan out because, you know, life gets in the way. And um, it was stick shift. So she had never driven stick shift before, which was my perfect opportunity to make sure that she wasn't going to disappear from my life. Yeah, you had a second date. Yeah, yeah. had a second date. Did you even have to drive the truck you took, took me to buy? <laughs> <laughs> so taught her how to drive it. And uh, and then we, you know, I was going to college in, in Maine. And um, we packed everything up in this back of this little black four-cylinder Montero. And... Uh, hit the trail for for the east coast if you know with the wind pushing us from the behind it's a long drive in montero 55 miles an hour with the wind yeah. going and um it was one of the coolest experiences of my life i mean the thing just kept going it was uh it was a phenomenal experience you know that people always talk about oh, all these old cars you know they're incapable of reliability and they're this and they're that and they're difficult and blah 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 well i I traversed the entire country with a 1987 four-cylinder Carbureted. Nonetheless carbureted, yes. Like I said, 55 miles an hour, 60 if the wind was blown from behind. So They go faster than that, but they overheat if they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. So, yeah, we drove it across the country, and uh, I had my other silver Montero shipped out. Mm -hmm. Um because it needed an engine rebuild, it uh, I saved it before a catastrophic head gasket failure um, from a lack of maintenance on the coolant system. As they do, good old previous owners. Yep. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So it was college that brought you out here. It was college that brought me out here. Yep. And now you just have kind of stayed for work and. I've stayed for work and you know just sort of trying to figure it out. You guys are planning on moving back to California, though. I think definitely planning on moving back to California. Yeah, it's definitely better. Only because, I mean, you know, I thought it was, you know, because I wanted to escape California because I had grown up there and I was sick and tired of the city and all the people and the concrete jungle and blah, 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 blah. But what I didn't realize is how much different the East Coast is oh, from yes. the West Coast. Mm -hmm. I mean, monumentally different between the people, the, the climate, the the, you know, the adventure climate. And what I mean by that is the people that are out there to make sure that you can go adventure with your vehicles and the people that are there to make sure that you really can't because there let's be honest there are people out there like that they don't want us you know and doing all these of things them live in Massachusetts unfortunately mostly new england new england is a lot of it's very open to hiking everything else you do human powered mm -hmm. in new england yep. but it's very very rare to find a ways to use your four by fours in New England, or dirt bikes, or, or dirt bikes, yeah, quads, yeah. or anything, which was a a total like. I mean, I couldn't even comprehend it because I had grown up on the West Coast in yeah. the desert, riding for miles upon miles upon miles of nothing, of nothing yeah. for as far as I could see. You know, mountains, desert, forest, whatever it was. There were if there was a trail, you could ride it. Summer here is, is great. 
Winters pretty tough though. That's that's another difference too. And people always ask me, what the you know, what the heck brought you all the way out to Maine from California? Desire like, to do something different. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, well, they go, well, you know, you must be afraid of the cold. I'm like, nah, not really. You know, we we go up north and we get 14 feet of snow, mm-hmm. so it's it's no different ball game. But, um, but yeah, just trying for something different, and you know, it's been a great experience. I've met a fantastic amount of people, like my good friends here. Andrew and Brad, and um, we're not fantastic, but thank you for saying that. Well, <laughs> teach their own, <laughs> and we've had some great adventures, and we'll continue to do so. We have. I can't wait to go do some more wheeling this year. I yep. know it's going to be so much fun. This year it'll be you in the passenger seat, though. Yeah, I'm going to have my rig torn apart. Oh, yeah. it's going to be so sad. That's all right. I, I owe you a ride because you gave me a ride for the past couple. This of This is so. true. There you go. It was brilliant we'll to watch you in that Silverado, though. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully I don't ever have to do that again. Yeah, let's hope not. But, um, but yeah, it's it's been quite the adventure out here. I think it's, you know, I tried it, and I don't think it's all that set out for me, only because... But at least you've done it. Yeah. I, I, I have think, the regret of saying I never tried living somewhere else. Yeah, so. I think the biggest problem for me is all the salt. That really gets me during the winter. That's why I want to leave. Yeah. It's the hardest. It's the hardest thing to deal with because you have these vehicles that you love and that you take care of and that you, you know, augment the maintenance, you know, faults that the previous owner kind of mm-hmm. caused. And, and then they rot away. And then they rot away. Yeah, that's why we have winter cars. Yeah, you have to have a winter car. If yeah. you if you have anything nice that you want to want to keep nice, you have to buy something that's shitty. To drive it all winter. Or move to the West Coast. Right. That's true. Because even the Pacific Northwest doesn't use salt. Yeah. So anywhere in the West Coast, you're fine. This is true. Yeah. yeah. But so. uh, growing up here, it's funny is everybody wants to move west. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like my fiance. Yeah. <laughs> well, she lived there before. Yes, this is true. Yeah. That's where we met. You dragged her back. I did drag her back. It's all your back. fault. Yes, it is all my fault. Yeah. I live that one every day. Oh, well. Oh, well. At least you're going back. It's been I don't, I don't I'm want, going to. It's okay. So you guys won't be alone. Since we're in May, so May to September, I won't want to move. But then once November 1st hits, fall hits, I'm yeah. like, all right, I'm ready to move. <laughs> yeah. You kind of forget when it's yeah. beautiful days. Like we had like Friday, like uh, yesterday was like a stunningly gorgeous day. Oh, it was fantastic. And like I went and got lunch down at the Salem Willows from work and like sat down by the ocean eating my lunch. And I was like, I don't ever want to leave this place. Yeah. It took and the then today it was like 42 degrees and raining. And I was like, what the? Is this crap? It should be summertime now. <laughs> yeah, I had the so, Mercedes out, driving yeah. it around. Wonderful. But Yeah, so we'll do a quick rundown of your cars. You have the Shogun. I do have an you 89 have Shogun. The Raider. The Raider. Yeah, the Raider. I yeah. forgot about that. And your summertime play toy is a... 1985 Mercedes-Benz 300D. Okay, which what chassis would that be? W123? W123. Okay. Yes, the iconic OM617 engine, turbo diesel, five-cylinder. Yep. Fantastic oh. car. Very yeah. neat car. I didn't realize they were five-cylinders. Yeah, five-cylinders. Four cylinders. turbos. Super weird, five-cylinder. Very, very neat cars. Very, very unique. So he's, uh, he's actually borrowing my truck to drag his Raider back home, and I'll have the Mercedes for a couple of days, Andrew, if you'd like to go for a drive. All right. So we can experience something a little different. Yes, you have to. Low and slow, <laughs> as I call it. Yeah. It's very classy. I drive a diesel. I like I like them. I, yeah. I do, too. I don't know why we don't have more of them. It's ridiculous. You know why we don't have more of them is because they tried to sell crap ones here in the 70s and 80s. Well, that's true. Because yeah, of all ruined, the GM. They ruined well, the perception. Right. They just increased the compression ratio. Hey, that that's a great idea. Bang goes an engine. And yes. They and sold then, crap diesels then. And, and then Volkswagen sold cheating diesels. And now we'll never get diesels. Correct. <laughs> so you just have to make do with what we've got. Yep. And uh, I guess, you know, Mercedes. The few that snuck through. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we'll have to do a, like a, a quick drive, maybe Monday or Tuesday in that car, and Absolutely. do a photo shoot for you. Please, please, please do. Yeah. yeah. Just I, I I love when other people get to experience my cars because you know not everybody drives these vehicles. Yeah. And no, not, I, and I love driving everything. So. Yeah. Exactly, and it's you know it's an experience. It's not the fastest thing on the planet, but man, do you feel good driving it because yeah. it's the most it's, beautiful. It's the, thing. What, what, what I say earlier when you pulled in, it's the. Uh, it's not the the speed that makes it fun to drive. It's the air superiority. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. But anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward to a couple of days in it. So yeah, should be fun. Not cool. that you know my truck is anything to write home about. So 
No, so, but it, it is yeah. a very, very <laughs> loud diesel, so that'll be a lot different. That's I'll true. be actually being able to hear the turbo. That's true. Mm-hmm. The t- rear tires are brand new, but better come back the same way. <laughs> I can't make any promises. <laughs> I hope you can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway. All right. Well, that was a fun one. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks was for coming super down. super fun. We'll yeah. have you back on another time when we have a topic to talk about, not just talk about your life. Yeah, sorry. It was all No, it was me. cool. It was cool to get your life story out there. Cause no, we, we like, like that. We like to have a guest come on the first time they're on, kind of tell why they're into cars and what caught, what, what brought them to where they are today. And um, next time you come on, we can have something else to talk about and yeah, move sure on from there. So. I'll be able to give an update on the Raider yep. and see how that's, that's for going. Sure. That's going to be such a fun project. That's I can't, for sure. can't wait to get it finished. But excellent. Well, hopefully we can do one from the trail. We'll try to do that. Yes, that yeah, would be point. super be cool. Record with everybody. Yeah, and yeah. actually, almost everybody's been a guest at this point because Jordan's been on, Eric's been on, you've been on. Yep. And two of us are on all the time. Yep. And who else goes on those trips? Chris Dorado hasn't been on yet because he doesn't really like his voice in the radio, so it's no big deal. Sorry, oh, yeah. Chris. Who? Uh, <laughs> I'd who call else? you out, but you need to come on the episode. Um, that's really the main. That's, that's, the really main, yeah, that's the main group. That's the main group. everyone. Yeah. So, and you get Tony with the Montero Sport. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the main group. So, almost everybody's been on, so we can do a, you know, trail tra- tra- trail talk episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right. if, if you've got any social media or anything you want to plug, you can do that or Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, he I, lives in Maine. He's on internet. Remember? Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I try to keep on top of it, and I I, I do better when I'm not. You know, stuck between work and the university. So, well, we can find your updates on the Mitsubishi Montero. Yeah, I, Northeast I Facebook post group. every right. once in a while. Right. But you can find me, you know, at, at AJ Vega, eight J Vega. Yep, uh, that's your Instagram. Instagram. Yep. All right, yep. all right. So yeah, people can see what stuff looks. So like. number eight J Vega. The number eight J yeah. Vega. Um, so I usually just post stuff about the Mercedes right. and uh, the Shogun. Excellent. That's good enough. All we do is post pictures yeah. of our cars. I mean, nobody wants to see else? my. Nobody wants to see a selfie. So yeah. I'll put a picture of my cars. Forget up. the selfie. Yeah. Put the selfie of the car up. That's the cars exactly. or dogs. Yes. It's fine. Sometimes dogs. <laughs> cars, dogs, or trails. Sometimes landscapes. Yeah. yeah. Trails and landscapes. Yeah. Uh, as so as always, you can follow on Off Topic Podcast on Facebook. Out Off Topic Podcast. No, Out Off Topic on Instagram. Yep. Follow me on Instagram. Race and anger. Uh, Brad, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at T-S-I-S-S-3-5-0. All right. And as always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses.